What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. I'm your host, Will Ferrero. On this episode, I talk with Dan Johnson. Dan is a, a real estate agent at Rand Realty. Uh, he works in Rockland County, Westchester, Orange, and the Bronx, um, but he can connect you with a real estate agent just about anywhere. Uh, although he can help you with with leasing properties, with purchasing properties, buying an investment property, what we, we really focus this episode on is first-time home buyers and some of the myths uh, and misconceptions regarding interest rates and down payments and even the ability to purchase a multifamily home. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's a lot of really good information. What's going on, Dan? How are you today? How's it going, Will? Thanks so much for having me on. So just to get started, why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience? You know, what's, what's your name, where you work in? Give me a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, my name is Daniel Johnson. I'm a licensed real estate agent here in New York State with Howard Hanna Rand Realty. I live and I work in Rockland County uh, mostly, but I also uh, focus on the lower Hudson Valley and the Bronx. So Rockland, Westchester, Orange Counties, um, and Bronx County, helping clients buy, sell, rent, uh, and invest. Okay. And so you and I met doing some political work in the Bronx. Are you still doing any of that or now you are you totally real estate now? Uh, I'm doing both. Uh, so I have my own political consulting company where uh, during campaign season, I'll advise uh, political candidates on their campaigns, uh, mainly focused again here in the lower Hudson Valley and the the Bronx. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing both. And really excited to uh, speak with uh, folks today, you about you know what I'm doing in the real estate realm. Okay, and how did you make that? You know, real estate something relatively new for you, or have you been doing that? You know, for a while now. I got my license in October, November 2021, so just over a year. It is a new endeavor. I changed my career path for for two reasons. Uh, first was the, um, my mindset changed a lot during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was used to working 80, 90 hours a week in wow. government and politics, you know, on campaigns for elected officials. And I think I got a little burnt out of it, you know, mm -hmm. combined with the, the pandemic. I think uh, um, I definitely changed my priorities in life. I wanted to focus more on you know work-life balance and uh, my family and just my time and I value started to value things differently. So taking a step into running my own business, I do uh, work with a brokerage, but I'm a 1099 okay. employee, so it's essentially my own business. I create my own schedule. I work with the clients that that I bring in, and I get to choose you know when and how and where. I want to work. So there's a lot of challenges with that, but it's also exciting because I'm completely in charge um, of what I'm doing. And you have that, you have that flexibility and that freedom of time and also the ability, you know, financial freedom in a sense where instead of being told like, this is your salary and you know, in the field that you're in, that mm -hmm. you can make up to a certain amount now, you know, working for yourself as an entre entrepreneur, you have, you know, that 
financial freedom of, hey, there is no cap on how much I can potentially make if I you know, work really hard and I'm successful. Yeah. So you have that in common with a lot of the other people that I've spoken with, where a lot of us are kind of at this early stage of our you know, career where we're either, you know, starting a business and having to attract the clientele or we're, you know, in, in a similar situation where, you know, you're building your own book of business and you're trying to expand your clientele. And so you're like right at the outset of that as well. And how have you began this process of trying to, you know, build and foster clientele? It's, you know, it's something new to me as to a lot of people who you've spoken with, in the past and there's certainly a lot of challenges but it also you know takes you out of your comfort zone and you can only grow uh, from that so for me i only moved to rockland county uh in the pandemic just a little over two years ago uh, i grew up on long island and i went to college and worked for all of my career um, in the Bronx and New York City. So um, while I'm not far from you know, either of those places, I still don't know a ton of people in Rockland County. So it's been a challenge to build up the business, but I've done it in a number of different ways and you know, want to continue growing on the business and expanding because you know, the goal is to continue to, to help as many people as I can with the buying, selling, investing, you mm -hmm. know, process, but also maybe uh, moving on to um, other states where I could get my license. I'm right near New Jersey, potentially looking to expand my business into New Jersey at some point. And uh, through referrals, I can refer people to um, agents anywhere in the country and around okay. the world. All right. And I, you know, uh, I see that you've been sharing a lot on your Instagram page, all sorts of little tips and tricks about about real estate and things like you, you may not have known. Um, and I found that with the with the content creation side of it, it's kind of hard because it's not like you're going to drop a podcast episode and get 10,000 listens like, you know, some of these big podcasts out there. You kind of just got to keep plugging away at it and hope to, you know, get a get a foothold. Is that Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, abs uh, absolutely. I think if you're consistent with it, you'll see growth over time. It's not a short-term strategy. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's a long-term strategy. And really what I want to do as I got into real estate again, one of the reasons, like I said, is for freedom and flexibility with you know my work and personal life schedule and being able to do that. But the other reason was, is I want to educate and empower people about the real estate process. When I bought my home in 2020, I thought that I knew a lot about the process and looking back on it now, I really didn't know much at all. And I wish that I had people guiding and advising me through the process to really help me make, you know, the best decisions and that I would have more information and feel more empowered than I did. And that's the, one of the main reasons why I started working in this industry. And that's the reason why I put out a lot of content on social media is really to educate and empower people. So they have more information and they can feel, you know, really good about the decisions they're making uh, and learning more as much as possible before they jump into buying or selling again or investing. Yeah. And, and what I've found with that, I don't know if this has been your experience too, but you know, number one, you'll always own 
those videos that you make or those articles that you write or whatever. And, and you could always repost them five years from now. You say, Oh, wait a second. I just had this issue where this has been in the news and you know, this would be a good time for me to reshare my article on X. Right. And then the other thing that I've found is that, you know, even if, you know, um, it, it, it's not a big hit, right? You don't get a, a ton of clicks on it. You know, all it takes is one person to really find some value in something that, you, that you've shared and, and what you've created to be like, wow, he, he really knows what he's talking about. I really want to work with him to, you know, uh, litigate my personal injury case or to help me buy my first home. Um, so, you know, hopefully a couple of years from now, we're, we're talking about our respective content and how, how, how well it's gone for us. Yeah. Again, like I said, you just start, start off small, get a couple of followers, get a couple of listeners, subscribers, and people who really take value from that content. And you can build on that. All it does is take one person to share it to their network and other people find it valuable. And then they share it. You just really start to build up an audience and a following and, Hopefully that also builds up business because again, it's not me or you, I think, or other people trying to sell themselves. There's a lot of people out there who are salesy and who aren't genuine. And mm -hmm. that's not what I want to create. And then I, I can tell, I know that's not what you want to create either, but by providing value to other people, then that's how we're going to gain more of a following and hopefully do you know business and help people uh, down the line. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, going off of that, creating value, um, you know, comment. There was a few things that we talked about previously that I think we should get into now when it talks to people, when we talk about people who are these first time home buyers and some either, you know, misconceptions or things that they don't know about that, um, you know, could, could change the way that um, they look at purchasing their first home and, and maybe make them reach out to that realtor, that agent, or um, and, and say, you know, I think actually I am ready to, and I think we can make it work. Um, and the first, the first thing we talked about, or that we mentioned, you know, off air was about the real, the, um, interest rates and about how people are like, I can't get into real estate now because the interest rates are, are just way too high. It's totally precludes me from, you know, purchasing anything right now. This episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast was brought to you by me, Will Ferrero. I'm an attorney at Prior Law in the Bronx. We primarily practice personal injury law, but we can help you with just about any legal issue that you may have. And if it's not something that we can personally help you with, we can connect you with an expert in that area of law. You can find me online on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. My handle is typically at Bronx Attorney. And if you can't find me on one of those social media pages, you can email me, ferrero at priorlaw.com, or call me at the office, 718-829-0222. And now back to the show. Yeah, unfortunately, there is a, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions in the media about interest rates and the market, the current market, or where the market is trending towards in 2023. Uh, that people I've been concerned about. I saw in last year, as interest rates increased throughout the year, a lot of people took a step back from the market because they felt that it wasn't the right time to buy a home and that they couldn't afford it anymore. But there's, you know, there's definitely different things that can do that, even with higher interest rates where owning is more advantageous than, than renting. And I- okay. 
think as long as we, you know, as a realtor, um, and I hope a lot more other people in the industry do this, like, again, we need to be educating people about, you know, the, the truths and the myths of the industry. And hey, if this is your goal, this is where we are, but let's look at the steps and the options of how we can get you there. And one of the ways is really about, edu again, educating people on, you know, what is actually happening, not to feed into headlines that people see online or in the newspaper. And, you know, one of those things, as you said, is definitely uh, interest rates. Interest rates did increase um, over, the, over the course of 2022. Um, and one of the things that people don't realize, I think they may confuse this with um, property taxes, is that, um, but pro is the property tax cap that you can deduct um, is $10,000. You can deduct up to $10,000 on your property taxes. But so what, is, what is, does that mean, deduct? So your, uh, for, for the property taxes um, or taxes in general can be you know, deductible. So up to, if you have up to $10,000 or under $10,000 in property taxes, you can get those, you, um, you can get deducted at tax time. And um, if you have over 10,000, you know, up to 10,000 of that mm. of property taxes, can you know can be deducted with interest rates your that's like your your you'll get a a statement from your mortgage company that right. shows how much taxes you've paid or i guess it wouldn't be from your mortgage company if you had a you know if you're if you own it outright but in these situations where we're talking about first time home buyers they're going to have a mortgage company you know that loan them the money um, or servicing their loan, and they, they'll give you a tax you document. You get an annual statement from your from your bank, and it shows how much you know you've paid in payments, including in your principal and your your interest, and in your um and in taxes. Um, and my my point on the interest rates on this is that your the interest on your mortgage mm -hmm. um is tax the is tax deductible. So even if you are paying a higher interest rate, you can deduct that you know, when you go to pay your taxes, which is helpful where renting, you can't, you're rent, you're paying your landlord's mortgage and they're paying property taxes, they're paying mortgages and they're paying interest on their mortgage. Your, your rent isn't, isn't tax deductible. Really your, your rent, if you're renting, you're, I, I see this a lot and I agree with the, the essence of it, but yeah. you're, you're paying someone else's mortgage when you're, when you're renting instead of owning a property and you're paying, you know, you're gaining equity in that property as you make payments. And over time, as that property appreciates, you're, you're, you're not only paying down what you owe to the bank, but mm -hmm. you're also the value most likely historically property, uh, real estate has increased in value over time. Right. And so you're making, you know, you're making money in a sense in both ways because your property mm -hmm. is appreciating in value while you're paying down what you owe the, the bank on your mortgage. So if I have, you know, a $3,000 rent payment versus a $3,000 mortgage payment, really I'm, I'm saving money with the mortgage payment, right? Because I get the tax deductions and I'm building equity in my house. Yes, pretty. So if you can, no, if you can find a deal where you have a similar a similar payment, you know you can. It, it's more cost effective. It's actually cheaper for you. Essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, essentially, and 
I have to say though that from you know from my personal experience, when you go to purchase a home after you put down the down payment, a lot of people focus on, hey, I have this much for a down payment, and this is the purchase price of mm-hmm. my home, and they focus on I can afford a five hundred thousand dollar house or a six hundred thousand dollar house or whatever they think they can afford, right. and that's what people focus on. Buyers shouldn't focus on the purchase of a property. Buyers need to focus on the cost to own the property, which is the monthly payments mm-hmm. that we're talking about. Because at the end of the day, you have to owe, you owe that payment to the bank every single month, whether that's a $2,000 payment, a $4,000 payment, you have to be comfortable in your overall budget that you can afford that uh, each month. And so, and you need to work with a realtor and a lender who can really work on those numbers with you and give you a budget and work with you to make sure that you you're comfortable with that payment. Take for me as an example, when I bought my house, I had a very low rent when um, my wife and I were renting in the Bronx. We were looking at homes and our mortgage lender was like, well, you can, you can afford this much of a property and it's that this monthly payment. I was like, I don't feel comfortable with, you know, with that, that to me, that's crazy. You, you tell me I can afford, you know, a monthly payment at this number. And I was like, there's no way. So at first my wife, it was, it was too high. You thought, I thought what the, yes, I, I thought when I was buying again, I didn't have a lot of education or information mm-hmm. and experience before I became a realtor when I was purchasing my house. And I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with what you're saying I can afford. So for a while, my wife and I were looking at homes much lower than what we were, our pre-approval was for. So mm-hmm. I think a lesson is for first time home buyers, prospective home buyers is, whatever a lender, you know, approves you for, yes, the bank is going to likely approve for you that and you'll get it, you know, you'll purchase the house at mm-hmm. that, you know, at that number, but you have to be comfortable again with the, the payment. If you don't feel comfortable with that, look at homes where with your realtor, with that monthly payment that you're comfortable with. At the end of the day, in my experience, my wife and I kind of broke it down. We put pen to paper and we're like, well, this is what our net income is per month. And these right. are all of our expenses, the estimated mm-hmm. mortgage payment that we'd have to pay with taxes and insurance included, what we pay in utilities, any debts that we own, student yeah. loans, mm-hmm. uh, car payments, uh, you know, food, groceries, uh, you know, money to go out and, you know, spend time with our family and friends, mm-hmm. put all of that like estimated down on paper and like really break it down. And then you can fully get, get a better picture of, Hey, can I afford this. Am I comfortable paying this much for a house and a monthly payment? And that's how I think, and that's how I advise my clients to really mm-hmm. break it down and say, Hey, yes, I'm comfortable with purchasing a house at this price. I'm comfortable with the payment of this during, you know, if I have to pay that for a monthly payment. Mm-hmm. And so when you did that, you realized that you could afford a little bit more than you had initially thought just by going over all the numbers again. Yeah. And okay. sometimes it may be the opposite way for people. People mm-hmm. may think in their head, oh, I can afford 5,000. But in reality, when they do that, they can only afford 4,500 a month or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. It could right. work both ways, but really working with someone and making sure that you know, you're comfortable with it and breaking down the numbers, I think is hugely important. And that's something you should do at the beginning of the, of the process. Got it. I got advise it. You know, all of my, my clients to do, do that. 
one thing that I was remiss to uh, mention before on the interest rate uh, discussion is that if you're, you know, even though interest rates have increased um, over the last year, I know we started 2022 mm -hmm. around 3% and they shot up uh, into the fall, getting there, like, I think peaking at around seven and a quarter, maybe seven and a half, depending on your uh, a buyer's credit score. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen for the last couple months a slow uh, decrease in, in rates. Now rates are hovering back around um, 6%. And okay. some people may say, hey, I don't want to get back into the market yet because rates are at 6%. I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. But if you can afford it, and there is a monthly payment that you um, you feel comfortable with at 6%, you can always refinance in the future. I, you know, myself or other realtors could connect you to a mortgage lender who we would highly recommend. And I always do that with my clients. I refer business to other professionals in the industry, whether it's lenders, attorneys, uh, home inspectors, etc., um, that I know do great work, and I, you know, I make sure that my clients are connected to people who can really guide and advise them, you know, in their areas of expertise. Um, so you could refinance um, down the line if you buy a house at a six percent interest rate mm -hmm. on a thirty-year conventional mortgage. You don't have to stick with that rate for the entirety of your 30 year loan if rates drop down to four percent in the future right i don't think they, they they will it's only happened once or twice in the mm -hmm. course of the last 90 years but say they they do you can always refinance right, um, right. and that would take up you know money like closing costs and a couple other things would be an upfront expense but if you're working with the lender who's going to tell you over the next 10 20 years that you're going to save money over the long term by refinancing to a lower rate and therefore making your monthly payment lower then it may be in your best interest and you can always you know refinance to that lower monthly payment uh Got it. and and waiting around for interest rates to go back to 3% you're going to be waiting for a, a pretty long time right that was a bit of an anomaly i don't know if we're going to see that again anytime soon you're probably going to be waiting forever. <laughs> I believe, <laughs> and that's not that's that's not a hyperbole either. Well, again, looking at the historical data of where interest rates were, I believe maybe once in the 2010s we hit slightly under four percent, mm -hmm. and then we weren't really in four percent under four percent till with 2019. Right. Um, but before that, the last time interest rates were under 4% was 1940. Wow. So you're looking at, about, that's about you know 80 some odd years. Mm -hmm. um, the historical interest rate for average, historically for the last 50 years has been 7.7%. Wow, okay. So historically we're, we're doing okay. We could be doing better right now, but you know, it's for not sure. And I know that doesn't mean anything to buyers who are maybe looking to buy mm. or who just started looking at real estate in the last couple of years and saw interest rates, in the twos or threes, and now mm. they're in the sixes. So that, that doesn't do them any favors and they don't right. want to hear about historic rates. But what we can do is educate people about how they can, you know, deduct their interest rate on their, you know, their taxes. They can, mm 
uh, possibly refinance in the future. And there's other loan, there's op programs and options out there for buyers that can help with covering closing costs or you know covering other costs for them throughout the process that make it affordable for them to buy a home now or in the near future. Okay, so that kind of segues into another point that we talked about previously. You know, I've heard from people before who are looking to buy a house. They they've said to me, you know, it's going to be a while before I can save up twenty percent for a down payment. And so, for somebody who has a thought like that, like what's you, what is your response to somebody who who's saving for that twenty percent down? One of my favorite reels or content to put out on social media is that you need a twenty percent down payment. Um, is the biggest myth about real estate. That's completely false. Most home buyers don't put down 20%. In fact, I'm looking at numbers from 2022. The okay. average down payment of all home buyers was 14%. Okay. For first time home buyers, uh, for a lot of people who are probably listening to the show and a lot of people who we know and a lot of the buyers and my clients that I work with, the average down payment last year for first time home buyers was only 6%. Wow. Okay. So that's and, a significant difference. Right. Uh, you know, of course, if you have a higher down payment that, you know, if you're in a multiple offer situation, then that may improve your odds of getting your offer selected, but mm -hmm. it is not a requirement um, at all. Um, and my favorite stat about um, down payments from last year is um, actually repeat home buyers, veteran home buyers who have bought a home before. They're either upgrading to a larger house, mm -hmm. uh, maybe buying a secondary home or an investment property. The average down payment for those buyers was only 17%. So even okay. savvy veteran home buyers aren't putting down 20% on average. So somebody who even has the money to put down 20% or more, they're saying, I'm pulling out some of my cash. I'm only putting down 15 to 20, something right. like that. Yeah. Interesting. So, and like, what kind of, you know, are there specific programs that, that you know of that is lower interest rates or is it, just, or not interest rates rather that are like loans that are, that you can qualify for that are less than 20% or, you know, can any loan do it? So yes, there's different options out there for buyers. Um, for a conventional loan, which is what most home buyers qualify for, um, can, um, the, the most common type of loan is a 30-year conventional mm -hmm. um, fixed loan. And what that means is that your, your loan is spread out for payments, monthly payments over the course of 30 years. And your interest rate for the entirety of that loan is fixed at what you qualify for, for the entirety of the loan. So right now, if someone was buying um, and they were, they qualified for a flat 6% rate, um, they got a 30 year conventional mortgage, then their interest rate would be 6% for the entirety of that, that loan, uh, unless they refinanced, you know, in right. the future, as we discussed before. There are other conventional mortgages uh, out there called adjustable rate mortgages. Uh, seven, five, seven, ten years are the most common where you could qualify for a lower interest rate and it's fixed for that beginning time period, again, five, seven, or ten years. And then it can fluctuate uh, maybe once a year or twice a year, depending on your 
specific loan um, each year after that. Of course, just like with conventional 30-year fixed conventional loans with adjustable rate mortgages, you can refinance at any time and you can refinance to uh, a different, you know, a, a fixed rate. Um, you can, um, and there's different other options out there for you as well. And with a conventional mortgage, the minimum down payment that is required um, is five percent. Okay. And then uh, for other home buyers, you can qualify for a federal housing administration loan or mm -hmm. FHA loan. I think there's a misconception out there that FHA loans stand for first-time home buyers, right. and that's not the case. An FHA loan is just a loan that's backed by the government. Okay. Um, and you can qualify for those loans with a lower credit score and a lower uh, down payment. You only require, those loans are only require a three and a half percent down payment. Okay. And there are uh, VA loans for mm -hmm. veterans and active duty military, and those actually don't require any down payment. Wow. Okay. So what, what, is there like a certain percentage, like if someone's looking at something that's X dollars. Do you, do you tell people have a certain percentage saved in the bank for when you come to talk to me? Or is, is there a certain recommendation that you have or anybody who's interested, you know, you're, you're, you know, you think should start looking. What I always do is I refer um, potential clients or clients to local mortgage lenders that mm -hmm. I've worked with in the past or who I know has high recommendations from people who I trust and who I've worked with. And I let them have those conversations with the mortgage lenders to give them the best advice on, hey, this is what you qualify for. These are the options and programs that we have available uh, because that's their area of expertise. And I think it's most I important see. you know, for them to speak with the, the local lender who knows their market the best and who knows the options and programs that may be available to that specific buyer. And I let that, them have those conversations. Okay. All right. So if somebody says I have X amount of dollars in the bank, you say, talk to the mortgage lender and, or broker and figure out, you know, if, if it's the right time for you. And if he, if he or she says yes, then let's hit the ground running. I, I mean, I have them discuss more the specifics of, hey, these, you know, these are the, again, options and programs available. Um, and it's more, more than just like, hey, I have $50,000 for a down mm. payment. Debt to income ratio is important. Mm. So if you make X amount of, it's important to have, you know, that net, nest egg saved up for a down payment and closing costs, but you really need to have a income is specific or a significant amount of income um, that you can, where you can qualify for a certain loan amount. And again, I let the lenders really take the, the lead on that, but depending on if you have student loans, car payments, credit card debt, uh, other debts that could, you know, that hinders or factors into right, the amount right. of net income that you have each month when you take those debts out. And that can determine how much of a loan in a house you can qualify for um, and afford the monthly payment on. Got it. So there, there was one other thing that we we discussed previously that it could potentially help people get into the real estate market who think might think that they don't have, you know, the the money to get into it or um, and that that is what's been referred to as house hacking, right? And so yeah, I haven't, so, I hadn't heard house hacking until 
you know, a couple months ago, but why don't you just briefly explain what that is? It's a house hacking is a cost-effective way to build a real estate portfolio. Essentially, that's when someone purchases a multifamily unit, a two to four unit property, live in one unit, and you rent out the, the others. And the goal is for, is for your tenants to pay their, their rent, have their rent cover the monthly expenses that you have on the property. So your mortgage, your taxes, and all the other expenses that come with the property. And then after a year or two living in that, that property, you can rent out the, the unit that you're living in and purchase another property and do it all over again. And the reason why this is a more cost-effective way to build up a real estate portfolio is because when it's a primary residence on a conventional loan, you can you can purchase the property with that 5% down payment, mm. where if you're buying an investment property or um, a secondary home, you most banks would require a 15% down payment. So if you don't mind living in a property for a year or two and moving and doing that every couple of years, that's a great cost-effective way where you have a lower down payment and you can purchase a number of properties and over time, fill those up with tenants and have those tenants rents cover your your mortgage payments and other expenses on the property now it sounds great and it, it is a great strategy for people that want to build up a, a portfolio and build wealth through real estate however there's definitely some things to take into consideration you have to account for potential vacancies you know right. if you can't rent out a unit or two units or whatever the case may be on your property for weeks or months at a time, that's going to impact your back end because then you don't, you no longer have that rent coming in, in that time frame where you can, uh, you know, that will cover those payments. And then the other thing to take into consideration is the estimated rent that you can get from that property. You mm -hmm. don't, can't just find a property and say, oh, this looks amazing. You have to know your numbers. And that's where working with a local realtor who mm -hmm. knows the market and says, hey, data shows you can rent out this unit for $2,500 a month or $3,000 a month or whatever the case is and works with you to break down those numbers and know that you'll have positive cash flow from that investment. That's really important because you don't want to then become house broke because the rents that you're bringing in aren't covering the, right. the mortgage payment that you have on that property. And, and to me, that also kind of sounds like a way for somebody to get, you know, to, to buy that first home where maybe they say, I can only afford a $3,000 a month payment and all the houses around me require a $5,000 a month payment. But one of those houses might be a, a a two family house where they can you know rent out you know uh, the second unit that's a two bedroom two bathroom in that house for two thousand dollars and then and then they're hitting their three thousand dollar a month you know those are loose numbers or not you know obviously right. uh, yeah. there's a lot more factors to take into consideration but it could unlock a few more properties that might not have been on their radar beforehand. Sure, and another thing you can do which. I've, uh, I've pushed my younger sister to do is it doesn't even have to be a multifamily unit where then you find tenants that you don't know. You could, with a down payment, put you know a small amount of money towards a single family house if it isn't a multifamily property and then rent out the other bedrooms in your house to your mm -hmm. friends. If you are already living with three or four friends in a three or four bedroom 
apartment or house and you're all paying rent, well, if one of you is wise enough to say, hey, I have a little bit of money saved up, I'm going to go purchase this property, let's all live together, you guys can pay me rent. And then right. next thing you know, you're, you're living, I mean, you're paying the mortgage off all together. Now, that may sound like you're taking advantage of, of, of your friends, and I don't want it to sound like that, but it's a way for you potentially to own a property and you don't have any ex expenses on it instead of all of you and your friends paying rent to somebody you don't know, a landlord mm -hmm. who is then pocketing all of your expenses and right. building wealth through you guys paying rent. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, working with a knowledgeable agent can, can kind of unlock some more, you know, not only, you know, properties that you could potentially buy, but, but a lot of more different options that, you know, the normal house seeker might not have known about beforehand. Absolutely. You know, working with a local knowledgeable realtor who understands um, their local market is, is vastly important. I, I can't recommend, I couldn't recommend it enough. I mean, you could just go into a real estate office and say, Hey, is someone available to show me a house or mm -hmm. call up the, a lot of people drive by a house and they see a sign and they call the, the listing agent or whatever the case may be. But I would make sure that you either connect with someone you find online who's providing valuable information and someone that you yourself connect with, or you get a recommendation or a referral, you know, from a friend or a family member, because you want someone again, who understands the, the market, who knows that the right. house that you love is actually overpriced or mm -hmm. who knows, you know, other information about the property or other properties in the area. And you want to work with someone who, you know, who can provide that value for you and make sure that the money you're putting into an investment, which is probably the, the, the biggest investment you'll be making in your lifetime. Right. You want to make sure that you're working with someone who, who knows what they're talking about mm -hmm. and who is going to make sure that they, they help you to the, you know, the best that they can for you. All right. So if somebody's looking for a real estate agent in uh, Rockland, Orange, Westchester, or the Bronx, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me um, online. Um, Instagram is daniel.johnson13. Uh, Facebook, Daniel Johnson, Hudson Valley Realtor. Also, my personal Facebook page, just my name. You can mm -hmm. connect with me on any of those platforms. Uh, and I'd be happy to help you, a friend, family member, you know, buy, sell, invest here in the lower Hudson Valley or the Bronx. And as I um, I'd be remiss if I didn't make this point one more time, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, even if you're not looking in the general area, if you or someone is looking out of state or somewhere around the world, connect with me and through my company and our um, organization of other companies that we're associated with, I can refer you to a top experienced agent um, mm -hmm. who I'll personally vet um, and that can help you again, buy, sell, invest anywhere in the world. All right. Thanks, Dan. That was a lot of good information there. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Will. It was great, great talking with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Please like, review, and subscribe so we can help the channel continue to grow. And if you're interested in connecting with any of the guests, please let me know, and I'd be happy to make the introduction.